Hi. Hey. Welcome to... Hi. Hey, Kelsey. <laughs> Welcome to Ruin My Life, a podcast about forcing your friends to like the things that you like. I am Jason Edwards. I'm Kelsey Goldman. And on this episode, we're talking about The Leftovers. Again. again for the third time. Third and final time. Third and final time. It's The Leftovers, episode three. The Lathreeftovers. The The E is a three. And on this episode, we're going to be talking about season three. The final season, truncated third season, which was apparently a sort of compromise they had to make to get the season made because The Leftovers was never a very popular show. I wonder why. <laughs> I can't think of a single reason. What do you mean? Well, because it's full of unexplained, like, mysterious, pseudo-religious sci-fi elements because it forces people to confront ideas of trauma and death and grief and the mystery of life or because it's just too fucking good. Kelsey, thoughts? Why didn't Leftovers <laughs> ever get the audience it deserves? Um, Probably the first stuff you said. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Strong answer. Yeah. So they made eight episodes of they the show. They made eight episodes. And they did a time jump at the beginning. They did a time jump. Well, they did. Well, okay. Sort so, so, so broadly speaking, these eight episodes take place uh get with some 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 wide margins here let's say these episodes take place three years after the end of the second season and then the new sort of status quo as the season begins is everyone's still in jarden everyone's happy everyone's very happy <laughs> all the people who sort of stormed the gates at the end of the last season are still basically living there like it's kind of a 24 7 cool like festival vibe in jarden now <laughs> it's really chill oh uh, which is not to say there's not still crime because Kevin is now the chief of police. Yeah. Well, I mean, he has a great resume as far as being chief of police. Yeah, he was the chief. He's done it before. He was the chief of police in Mapleton under his watch where uh, the Guilty Remnant pulled off their crazy stunt and nearly got the entire town burned down. <laughs> so he's got a great record. <laughs> um, yeah, everyone's really happy. The first half of the first episode really, as I put in the notes, really kills me because everyone is like so happy. Yeah. It makes me like wish the show just stopped there. Yeah. Because the end of season two is so moving to me and the beginning of season three really continues like down that road where, oh, you know, Kevin and Tommy are working together now. Like Tommy's on the on the police force and they seem to have like a pretty good relationship. Mm. And it's like the first time we've seen Kevin and Tommy really interact for any length of time and it seems to be going pretty well. Matt, John and Michael are all mm -hmm. sort of working in the, on, in the church together. Mm -hmm. John and Lori are married. And they We're, run a scam. They run a scam on people. <laughs> it's a light scam. It's not like it, it's like an old. They're not hurting anybody. No, it's like it's like it's like what is it like? It's like a card reading scam. Yeah. It's like you know, it's pretty. It's it's a it's not a negative scam. You know, it's not that harmful of a scam. Yeah, I don't know if we need to really go down episode by episode, like like no, plot point by plot let's point. Let's just discuss. Yeah, so let's discuss Kelsey. Um, I felt like this season was. I, I said before we started recording that this was probably my least favorite season. Interesting. Um, it felt kind of disjointed to me in a lot of ways. Not bad, like I enjoyed it, but um, I think there were some highs and some lows, and some characters whose presence was too felt, and characters whose presence was not felt enough. Um, uh, Matt's episode is probably the best one of the season for me. Episode five. Yeah. It's a Matt, 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 Matt world. Yeah. I, I really, really enjoyed that. The the tone and the the sort of development on his character on his part. I thought I thought that was really great and it was just weird. And like pairing um just like the Matt John Laurie 
Michael team up that we had <laughs> happening and like getting to see like Lori and John's relationship sort of was good because it didn't feel even though it does come out of nowhere because it's a time jump like it didn't feel wrong which I felt like was good um so that was my that's probably my favorite episode so I will say this is the, the season in which I have liked Lori the most she kind of won me over this this uh this season was just being like common sense <laughs> <laughs> i appreciated that it's definitely the most level-headed she's been throughout the whole show mm -hmm. because you know first season she's not speaking she's very unknowable in an intentional way season two we get to know her but you know, we don't really like everything we see she's a bit manic yeah also i want to talk about in matt's episode i thought the music choices were very interesting because the i think both the opening song is a hebrew song or there was a hebrew song early in the in the i can't remember what's the opening i think the opening credit song because the 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 song is different every episode yeah in season yeah three. also that uh there's some great effect yeah and season uh the episode five the mad episode opens with i i think it's it's a chant yeah i don't know the origin of the chant i think it, i think it was it up and it was hebrew because they use later in this the episode they use of Mokenu, which is a is a a, a jewish prayer uh, they use a Vinamokina, which is like I actually find it very a uh, very pretty um thing, but all Jewish like songs and, and chants are, are very like minor key. They all sound very like intense <laughs> and I like that. But also um you can always kind of spot them when you're listening to like I feel like that's like the difference between Jewish music and, and like Christian music. <laughs> a lot of Jewish music is very minor key and I felt like there was just a very like jewish tone to matt's episode which i thought was interesting matt's entire existence is very job-esque mm -hmm. if we're reaching for like an obvious biblical parallel mm -hmm. and because it's a matt episode and he's this very religious figure in all his episodes the religious content of the show is very much pushed to the fore so that's definitely true i think one thing i like especially about the opening credits song in matt's episode is that and i don't know if this is intentional but i i feel like it is is that that opening chant is very not only is it a chant, it's not like a big pop song the way most of the opening numbers have been. It's a it's sort of like a quiet. It's very like the volume is very low. The mix is very like sort of like low and quiet. So you can't really hear it. So I personally turned up the volume very loud to sort of be able to hear what's going on. And of course, the first sound you hear when the episode begins is a siren going off in a nuclear sub announcing the, you know, the launching of a nuclear missile. Oh, the opening of that was so great. Which I, which I think is, inten is intentional because again, this opening sequence is very very intentionally off-putting and weird yeah there's a there's a it's like a naked french guy right the naked and french guy who like commandeers basically a submarine or to like the launch a nuclear missile to we later find out kill the beast from the book of revelation <laughs> which which sort of like launches matt off in his his merry jaunt across the atlantic also they, they fly on a cargo plane don't they yeah that was kind of that's terrible suspension of disbelief there because <laughs> i'm not sure that plane could make that journey well this episode is in, in, i feel like they'd have to stop in like hawaii and then like tonga or somewhere i mean in the most leftovers <laughs> way possible this is a farce episode yeah so the actual like, in a, like it was great. logic of how they get there is, is not meant to well farces are great by themselves yeah i think what i was saying when i thought there was too much of some people um i was mostly referring to kevin garvey senior in yeah, which, you, like, you did not respond well to Kevin Garvey Senior spotlight this season. Spotlight, which is weird because I thought I wanted more of him, but I think I realized the amount of him we were getting <laughs> was the perfect amount. I see. I I am. I disagree. I think this season is, like I said, season two is my favorite. I think season three is 
and in my mind, it's the best one. Yeah. I think that might have to do with some of the formal stuff they do in this season. Like, they really take the idea of every episode is like a short story about like one character or a group mm-hmm. of characters. And they, they push that even further this mm-hmm. season uh, to the point where, as you say, maybe it sometimes feels a little bit disjointed. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's too much of an issue. I like that it's every episode is so self-contained more so than before. Mm-hmm. And I liked the in season episode season three episode three. It's all about Kevin Garvey Senior, and we see what he's up to in Australia. Because I think we, I think we really have not seen him since well, he left. He bails in, in season two episode two, mm-hmm. and then we see him in Kevin's vision in the hotel. Yeah, I and, then, and, that, and now we see what he's been up to, which is turns out. He's, uh, you know, not great. He's not doing great. A little problematic there. <laughs> he's Kevin not Garvey great. Senior. Um. Yeah. I. <laughs> yeah. He's doing cultural appropriation. <laughs> yeah. But he's really, he's really getting his hands dirty about it, though. You know, like uh, he's like really going in there and like actively, personally appropriating this culture. <laughs> like it's almost too much to even get mad at. Yeah, I don't know. I just like something about the that whole episode. It was just not. I I didn't enjoy it. That I just. I think up until that moment, he was kind of a sympathetic character who you kind of felt for. And maybe, you know, I mean, not even though. I just, I don't know. I just, I didn't enjoy that episode. I think it would have been interesting because I, I liked knowing what he was up to, but I almost wish it was from some other character's point of view. I, I disagree. I like that we get this like big hour-long Scott Glenn performance <laughs> showcase episode. I mean, the actor. Is that the actor? Yeah, Scott he, Glenn. He's great. He's great. Um, He's been in a lot of terrible stuff too, which is why it's so nice to see him in something that is good. Yeah. He was in he was in Sucker Punch. He was in God Daredevil season two and The Defenders. He was in that awful Castle Rock show that everyone decided was good until the very end when it, it was actually bad the whole time. Um, so, so I'm a fan. Um yeah, so I, I think for me just Matt's episode was just so good to me that I just like I I was holding all the others up against it. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a mad episode. It's a mad episode. But I liked it better than the other mad episodes. I mean, it's the best one. Yeah. It, it, it is. It is <laughs> I mean, like I said, the, the final line of the episode, when to, 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 to sort of summarize it simply, when Matt meets a man who might be the physical embodiment of God. Yeah. And that man is then, like, run down and eaten by a sensuous lion. Mm-hmm. And then Matt turns to the camera and says, that's the guy I was telling you about. Yeah. After he's had this big emotional revelation about how he's wasted his life and maybe the God he's been serving isn't real or shouldn't be listened to at all. <laughs> it's such a, it's beautiful. It's, it's so a, great. It's, it's, it's a, I, I saw that image, that one line out of context before I saw the episode and it yeah. did not disappoint. <laughs> that said, going into episode six, which I would call like a Lori episode. Oh, that's a Lori episode. It's a Lori episode. I really enjoyed that episode, which if you listen to the previous two podcasts, you wouldn't think that I did because I did not like Lori until this season. You're anti-Lori. I was anti-Lori, but now I'm pro-Lori. What What do you think changed about Lori this season? I think Lori is the only person in our main cast this season who is like approaching things from a normal point of view. Like, or not, I don't want to say normal, but like a rational point of view we also did get Lori's like backstory at the beginning of this episode or like how she ended up joining the gr i think this episode also moves Lori firmly out of the role of kevin's ex-wife 
Um, and I feel like that their relationship is actually very healthy. Um, whereas it hasn't been till now. And you still feel like a lot of his story is just too inextricably tied to her leaving and going to, but because of where we start this season, I feel like their relationship is healthy and I don't, they're good for each other as friends at this point, which is like something that they weren't the previous two seasons. And I think Kevin is my main man in general. So I'm just always concerned about him. (laughs) Um, so I think that I think that really helps. I think bringing that relationship out of a a sort of toxic, problematic place is really good and made me like appreciate Laurie as her own character. But no, I I thought she was really good. I think Kevin Carroll has some really really good moments in this episode too. Um, whereas like just the the character, the John, the, the like mellow John that he's playing now is just so different from yeah. season two, John. I'm just like, you're a good actor, my friend. <laughs> but you still believe it's the same person. Right. Like it's so, uh, he's very good. Put Kevin Carroll in more things. This, this brings me to my, if I can jump in for one second, to my mm-hmm. sort of like my one real complaint about this season, mm-hmm. which is that I think because it was not the full 10 episodes they gotten previously. We didn't get a... We didn't get a lot of John Murphy, and we really didn't get much Erica. We Although got Eri- a very iconic scene with Erica. Yeah, so er- Erica shares a... I, 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 there's no other word for it. It's an <laughs> iconic scene with with with, with Carrie Coon, mm-hmm. with Nora. Um, I, but I do think we would have definitely... I think we would have... I don't know. Erica's... Her role in the story at this point is sort of very removed from everything because uh, what we see also from like Tommy and Jill at certain points in this season and then from Erica as well yeah. is that once you sort of move out of the orbit of these people your life tends to improve somewhat so i don't know if we would have gotten more erica in this like alternate fictional 10 episode season yeah but But i think we would have gotten more john that said i the next thing on my list of things to discuss was i don't feel that i got closure with all all three of those characters tommy jill and and erica Mm -hmm. i don't feel like i got closure with them and i'm upset about it yeah i mean that doesn't bother me so much because tommy has you know, I, I I feel for him, but he's always been my least favorite character. Tommy, not so much because I feel like he's always sort of been on the, like, he's, you know, not always been. I feel like Jill was such a major part of the storyline at one point, and she was so screwed up at one point. And the things that happened probably should have made her more screwed up. That I feel like it was very hard to accept, like, in that phone call in the end, <laughs> how happy she sounds. So I felt like we didn't really get closure with her. And I really wish we had gotten more Erica. Yeah. Um, yeah, Erica especially goes through so much in season two. Like, I think Jill, I, you're, you're right about Jill. Yeah. Jill, I think, does recedes from the story somewhat, even in season two, mm-hmm. to where her diminished role in season three is. I, I, it's disappointing, but I, it makes sense to me. Erica. I, it, the thing is, it makes sense, but it's disappointing. Yeah. Er, yeah. Erica and, and John are truly positioned as parallel protagonists in season two. Mm-hmm. So seeing Erica get such reduced screen time is really feels feels weird to me yeah because jill is all in this is kind of in similar ways to how erica and john are is is very upfront in like episode one especially yeah and throughout season one she's a very prominent character so it doesn't really bother me though because i don't know i feel like it, it is it is believable that people could like potentially go through stuff and then be okay yeah um but more more i just i really what, what i'm really just dancing around here is that i really like the stuff they do in season three so to me, everything that happens around, like the stuff that does get done in season three is worth it if it's a little bit diminished from yeah. what it could have been if they'd had more time and space to explore other stuff. Because I just can't think of a thing that, because well, you obviously would rather lose the uh, Kevin Sr. episode. Like you'd rather have an episode where 
Jill flies down to meet Kevin Senior and then finds out what he's been up to. Fucking yeah, I would love that. Whereas I, I, <laughs> I, I love the Kevin Senior episode the way that it is. So well, it, the there's, no, like, there's nothing I would lose in order to gain stuff with like Tommy and Jill. I didn't even think about that, but I would have really loved that because I loved her and Kevin Senior in season one. Like I liked their relationship a lot. Yeah, that would have been a fun thing to see. Um, I don't, I don't disagree. I think, I think part of it is also like I tend to identify with people whose experiences I have experienced and i was once a teenage girl with a you know <laughs> divorced parents and uh, i see you know i think i think you know it, it's hard to identify with characters who are older than me i find because i haven't experienced those things in life yet it's not like impossible and and i obviously do identify with all these characters in some ways but but i think you know i i my heart always goes out to teenage girl characters because i've been there and I wanted, I want to know that she's like actually legit okay. <laughs> also, to me, I guess because again, because I'm so in in love with the end of season two, it sort of feels like it carries through some of that for me to know that some people who are involved in that ending actually do turn out all right. Yeah. <laughs> Even though you know some of them immediately like fall back into old patterns, like <laughs> Kevin or Nora, who is still obviously dealing with the trauma, the insane trauma of how she lost her kids and her asshole husband mm-hmm. uh which he's an asshole he was cheating on her oh was he yeah matt, matt tells her in his uh his first season episode oh right yeah <laughs> he says it's the one fly i'll never put up yeah which is a very matt jameson like idea of being comforting but yeah i guess if you want to talk about the ending this might be a good place to start because the ending is very driven by nora's actions like really nora becomes the central character in the final episode she is the the first episode of this season is called the book of kevin because there is literally a book of kevin that is being written that kevin eventually steals and burns and then the final episode is called the book of nora because it's all about sort of her journey in in more ways than one it really felt to me that the episode seven the most powerful man in the world and his identical twin brother yes kevin's third sojourn into the afterlife. Into the afterlife. That felt more like a season finale to me. And then the Book of Nora really felt like an epilogue. Um, which is not a bad way to like end something, but I was just because of the way we we do this where I watch the whole season, then I watch the final episode with you. Yeah. I was really expecting something um bigger? Yeah. It was like quiet and slow. And that's not a bad thing, but I did not manage my expectations accordingly for that. That's fair. I think there's, you know, I always think there's a value in things subverting expectations mm-hmm. if it's done well. I think this is done well. I think the show is, you know, very much about these sort of quiet moments of like people going through stuff. I, I just felt that, like it left me wanting. I think it, I think <laughs> it really the the your enjoyment of the finale maybe depends on how invested you are in the Kevin Nora love story. Mm. Because it is, it, while it is, you know, primarily about Nora, it's also very much about those two characters and their journeys away to, or sorry, away from and back towards each other. Yeah, I think I'm less invested in it than you. That's fucked up. <laughs> and it's problematic. And this is a call-out podcast. But I'm less invested in their love Kelsey story Goldman than you. Kelsey Goldman doesn't believe in true love. Has, I didn't has say ne- I didn't believe in it. I just was Has less never invested. cried. <laughs> do you know me does doesn't doesn't think that justin throws eyes or deep dark pools to fall into i never heard that <laughs> excuse me excuse me do not put words in my mouth so, some of my oppo research may be flawed <laughs>
Really? So, I mean, I, I find the end, the very end of the show very, very moving. I, I find actually both finales because there's sort of a, there's sort of a Kevin finale and a Nora finale. I find them both very moving for very different, I guess, very personal reasons. I think, I guess, you know, it, it's weird for me to not be totally invested in a love story. Yeah, it is. Um, <laughs> Especially one involving your, your boy, Kevin Garvey Jr. I think, like, with Kevin and Nora, we, you know, we see so little of their initial, like, courtship. Like, I almost think we don't see them falling in love with each other. We just see them in a relationship, and the relationship is kind of a fucked up one. And so because I don't really have the foundation other than they have like a couple cute conversations. I don't know. I'm just, I'm not, I wasn't invested. I think the fucked up relationship is what makes me invested in it because I think more interesting than seeing them, you know, falling in love, whatever that would look like. I think, we, I, I think we do see like enough stages in their early relationship that I do buy that they are dating and like falling for each other. But more interesting to me is the idea of these two like severely broken people who get together and have, yeah, even even at its most functional, a, a deeply fucked up relationship. But and this is also owing a lot to the, those two actors and how talented they are. You always really feel like a, a deep well of love and like true like affection, like really like serious commitment behind it. Even when you know like the two of them are you know chain you know, chaining each other to 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 to, to poles or or, like, or trying to trying to kill themselves in, I, in various ways. I didn't feel that. I just I don't feel that that deep well of love behind them. I feel like they are two people who rushed into a relationship because they felt lost and they want there to be that you know that like they they clearly, you know, love each other, but I don't I feel like they're clinging to each other cuz they don't have anything else. And that and for me that they didn't give me enough else to root for that because i i feel like it's bad for both of them does that make sense it makes sense you i don't buy it i but. don't i uh, no i mean i just think i don't think them clinging to each other because they don't have anything else is necessarily i mean i think that's a, that's a fair read of the situation mm-hmm. i don't think it's the wrong thing for them to do i because they really they really don't have much else and i think anything that makes the two of them feel any sort of like peace or hope or happiness is a thing they are going to go after. I just, I know I'm, 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 I'm dancing dangerously close to doing a, a Kevin Nora fan fiction, which I would never do. <laughs> I would never do that. That's not someone on your computer uh, somewhere no. hidden on your drive. <laughs> don't, I'll never tell, but I, I don't know. It's, 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 it's interesting. I didn't really foresee you not, not investing in their relationship the same way I do. Cause to me, it seems so, I guess for me, it's like, I don't feel like good things happen when they're together or we don't see them. Like they're implied that they happen because there's so many time jumps in this show. Yeah. I think we like, you know, it's, it's implied that they've had great times, but because maybe I'm just bad at like the subtleties of the show, which is definitely true. Because it's not gay enough. Possibly also, but that's not true. I ship everything. <laughs> oh, did you, did you did you hear that? <laughs> I I just think the, the the ghost of queer representation <laughs> just floated through our apartment. It is lacking in this show. There 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 is there is one uh, there's one queer couple, the doctors, the 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 evil scientists from season three. Oh right, they're together. 
Right, I forgot that that was happened. I, yeah, I think just for me, I just, there's not, there wasn't enough focus on their, there's so much else happening in the show that I almost feel like I didn't have time to be invested in their relationship or to be like, because half the fun of shipping something is like waiting for them to get together, right? Like, is like the buildup. And there's no buildup here. Like, it just happens. And that's great. But I don't know if because there wasn't that much buildup, there was enough for that relationship to hold me, you know? I, I think, and this might be laying bare and making obvious the thing that was probably already un, unspokenly understood. I think that perhaps in the same way you relate to Jill yeah, and sort of you know, immediately identify with what she's going through, mm-hmm. I sort of more strongly relate to Kevin and Nora <laughs> because of my life experiences. Yeah. Because I have been in for uh, many years now a very committed relationship. Yeah, and I have never been and, in and, a committed relationship. So. And it is a relationship with, well, the other person's right here, so. <laughs> I don't know who you're talking about. Oh, I'm no. <laughs> it was the ghost all along. I thought it was my wife. Um, um, but, but yeah, I, I, think... I mean, my, my point being, like, I, you know, I, I very much identify with both of them. I guess Kevin more so because um, Nora's trauma is very specific and, like, is... Yeah, not not a thing I really can can relate to on on quite that same level, but yeah, the idea of, of two people who are like you know have a lot of problems but have a, a real connection who like find value in that is something that, that rings very true to me and, and resonates in perhaps an obvious way, perhaps a way you would hope it would, considering that I am married. <laughs> I mean, I think I think the thing is like I do think that Kevin and Nora's relationship resonates on a very true level, which is not always what i go to my fictional romantic relationships for <laughs> you know you want more of the the build-up yeah the, the anticipation <laughs> i just i wasn't invested necessarily you know because we didn't get enough of it, it you know, i almost feel like i didn't have time to get to know them as separate people before they were together or, like, before they were playing off each other. I don't really know how to explain it. I just wasn't as invested as you. <laughs> oh, no, the ghost is floating back over here. The ghost is going to talk like a real person now. <laughs> I've also been in a long relationship and married for a smidge. And uh, I didn't find that much investment in their relationship either. I think it was because it wasn't gay enough. I think Kelsey's, like, truly made me so, like, if there's not some sort of gay happening, what am I pulling for? Um but I just, that wasn't why I watched the show. It was not because of the relationship. It was because of who they were as people, but not because yeah. of the relationship. Did that, quick question for the ghost. Did, <laughs> did that just, uh, real quick, did that, did that affect your enjoyment of the finale? Not at all. Interesting. Interesting. I still enjoyed it quite a bit, but I think it's just because I admired them as characters. I understood what was happening, even if the relationship didn't mean that much to me. Yeah. Hmm. Strange. I will say that um, Fa- I... Farewell, you spirits. I will say that I, um, through the run of the show, I liked Kevin as a character a lot more than I liked Nora. Mm. Which uh. is, the thing is, like, I think Carrie Coon is an amazing actress and she does an amazing job in this role. But I think as as a character that I, I cared about what was going to happen to them, I think Kevin was the one that I cared more about, which is maybe why I felt the way about the last two episodes that I did. Um, that said, I just, 
I think Nora is a character who is so different from myself in how she reacts to everything that it was really hard for me to like get on her level or on her side about things. Um, she's very, she's very intense. She's a very intense character and, and, and like, she's a wonderful character, like a very rich character. It's just not, she wasn't necessarily who I was rooting for, you know? And, and that was hard for me too, because like I was going to root for female characters and I found that the female characters in this show were not easy to root for, which I think is why the sort of the absence of Jill in this, in this particular season was hard because she is a character who's easy to root for because like she's a kid who like didn't really do anything wrong. <laughs> and then I think also Erica, cause I feel like, I feel like after season two, you're really on Erica's side and you really want to want to like get behind her. And then she's just gone. Um, and I find that both Nora and Lori are really hard characters to root for. I mean, would you say Matt is an easy character to root for? No, but he's, but you do. <laughs> um, and I think he's, the way that he's written is so much more interesting than the way that Nora and, and Lori are written. I don't know. I feel like Nora and Matt are very comfortable. They have a very similar energy, which I was to, which I think is like more so than making them really look alike mm-hmm. is a very good expression of the fact that they are siblings and they grew out of the same family and the same sort of like early traumatic death of their parents they both approached like loss and pain in very unique but very like intense and almost manic ways mm-hmm. so i just i don't know i, I see i see nora and as as a as a, maybe a more relatable more grounded sort of type of person as matt because because nora also just like matt travels across the world on, on a on a like nonsensical like like border like suicidal like fantastical mission um the same way matt does only hers is because it's you know because we have more time with her throughout the this, this show it's it's built up to a little more gradually and i think it for me that's almost to its detriment because matt because matt's episodes feel like farces right like we we talk so now you're telling me there's too much build up boom defeated again with logic we're talking about nora as a character now not the relationship of nora and kevin damn and <laughs> i think I think Matt works because we only see him in this like very packaged way for the most part. Um, and when, when we see Nora, like in such a long drawn out way, having her, like, I feel like if we were exposed to Matt in that way, his eccentricities wouldn't seem so eccentric. Hmm. I don't know. Like the things like I want to root for Nora the same way I want to root for Lori. And I did root for Lori by the end of this. Like I honestly, Lori's story like the way they tie up her whole thing, even though it's left open-ended basically like that. I felt the most closure out of that storyline. Yeah. Which well, I thought was interesting. Yeah. <laughs> well, she, well, she's actually like going to Australia to pursue closure. Yeah. So she's like actively trying to make closure for herself so yeah. that she can then maybe if she decides that she feels like it kill herself, yeah. which she ends up deciding not to, we find out some 20 years later. Yeah. <laughs> Um, which I guess brings us back to, you know, it seems like we're not going to come to an agreement on Kevin and Nora, but that's that's okay. It's fine by I mean, me. I was happy for them at the end. I just, I just didn't care as much as you did. I, I really am realizing now how much of my affection for them is really like, you know, comes from a very deeply personal place. Yeah. Like Kevin's entire 
journey in in you know the the semi the the semi final the penultimate you might even say semi-final <laughs> maybe a better word for that like penultimate mm-hmm. episode is i don't know it's it's about a guy who is you know has a lot of emotional mental problems mm-hmm. who is like driv- driven away the the woman that he loves mm-hmm. and has to in a grand sense like you know let go of his sort of like you know latent not even really latent at this point death wish and like you know suicidal urges before he can like heal and then eventually many years later in his case be with the woman that he loves which is a thing that you know personally from a from a personal mental health journey for me really resonates and i understand that's not gonna be the same for everybody Mm -hmm. um and then for reasons i can't even really verbalize i find like stories of people who have hold on to like their feelings who hold candles as kevin might say for long periods of time like like misspent years of of people's lives like owing to like wayward and like love that just didn't really connect right like uh, the movie moonlight like resonates with me for a similar reason like i find those sort of stories very very moving um so so kevin's pursuit of of, of nor which i guess um in in some ways might read to some people as deluded and and a little bit nutty to me reads as maybe not even romantic in the classic sense just like very very real like if you felt that way about somebody and you like really could not let it go you would do that and the fact that he finds her is again it's 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 romantic in the most like fucked up and like unhealthy leftovers way possible but i do think it's i don't know yeah i think good i think for me like for for me i i the the kevin of the final episode was the kevin that i had the most trouble sympathizing with um which is crazy right because he's like why because he devotes the entire episode to a bit (laughs) no (laughs) um it's it's a poorly conceived bit it's a poorly conceived bit yeah i I get it though um like i i get why he would decide to just try to pretend that they had never been together see i don't i don't get it i don't get why that was ever a choice that's I don't, dumb. I mean, what would you do in that situation if you were like approaching, if you were Kevin and you were like, had found Nora after years of like long searching? Probably just cry. He does cry. But like, he, like break down and sob. That's not the Kevin Garvey way. You got to do something stupid. I don't stupid. know. I feel like Kevin's broken down and sobbed a couple times. He's, he's a crier. <laughs> he's, a, he's, one of, he's one of cinema's greatest criers. Um, or TV's greatest criers. Yeah, I just... I guess also for me, it doesn't feel like the the way that he's sort of pursued Nora. It doesn't feel like he's been able to grow all that much. He's let go of a death wish, but he's now fixated on a lost love, basically. Um, which for me is like, I want him to be happy and not fucked up. And it still seems pretty fucked up. Life is fucked up. Yeah. Kevin's a fucked up dude. I think we're they, not. They live, they live in a fucked up world. We're not going to agree on this final season. All right. Well, let's bring it around to something that we'll definitely agree on with what no that? room for discussion, which is the very ending. Did Nora go to another dimension? Ah. Because the entire finale, for those who somehow have forgotten, <laughs> centers around this idea that Nora is going to go into this machine that is supposedly will send her to wherever the people who were de- departed have gone to. 
and we don't and we see her like in the moments like the very last moments leading up to this this journey which might also just be a machine that that turns you into a fossil and kills you uh but then we cut ahead to 20 15 20 years later ish and we don't see what actually happened and then at the very end when kevin finally comes clean about what he's what he's been doing he's been looking for she tells him the story of where she's been the last few uh, last many years or does she kelsey kelsey goldman yes thoughts i personally would like to believe that it's true (laughs) we're in disagreement about this too yeah very strongly oh wow my my entire read of the ending and then like retroactively like my entire understanding of kevin and Nora's relationship is based on it not being true that's fucked up yeah life is fucked up like that makes it that means she sat there and lied to him it's beautiful no it's, it's beautiful because she like realizes like how much she like they i mean they both fucked up obviously their relationship to an extreme degree but she realizes like when when she's telling him that story like what he's like what she's basically telling him is like i made this terrible decision that was like based on a thing that even if it what she's saying is like even if i had been able to go to where they were that wouldn't have been the right thing to do and i realized that but I'd gone so far down this path and like burned so many bridges to get there. I couldn't turn back. I was too ashamed of what I'd done. And so she had to stay there. Like she, she couldn't face really. I mean, she was still, she still lived. She still went on being alive, but she couldn't really face Kevin again. And what he's, what, and what she's saying is like, this is why I haven't been able to talk to you low these many years is because of this intense, like guilt and shame. And like, you know, all these things I feel and what Kevin's saying when he says, I believe you, is like, it's okay. If this is what you need to say for us to be together, that's worth it for me. I just, I'm glad you're here. That's why the final words of the show are, you know, of course I believe you, you're here. Because the entire show has, has been around this idea of like, you know, you live in a world where someone could disappear in a second. And what, you know, how do you love somebody in that world? And I think the ultimate answer is that you basically have to do whatever you have to do, whatever, like, crazy nonsense you have to like believe in order to appreciate the person who's there with you in that moment that you have with them or that's what happened or kevin or 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 <laughs> nor went to a parallel universe she tra- she traveled two percent of the population disappeared out of in, thin air into a parallel universe <laughs> and nor went there and walked around there for a long time yeah. Does that seem more likely to you? No, but I think that's more romantic and more like the your ending is so fucked up. How is that romantic? That means he she just like left and came back and, and she was like it was crazy. I didn't think you believed and he's like, Yeah, I believe it. it's it's why wouldn't I believe it? It's nuts, man. And it had been too long and she'd experienced more trauma and like she wasn't fucking ready. Well if I think my, my main thought is that if 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 it's true then <laughs> if it's true, <laughs> if it's the if what the story she tells him is true, then him believing her is not in any way a, a gesture. It's just a, it's just like a okay, sure, and that's not. I don't know. That doesn't feel like a good ending to me. But that's okay. Oh, that's the ghost is back. Also, listeners, let's not forget Jason's had two years to think about this, and I've had ninety minutes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I just I think it's okay for it to be real. I think it's. It opens up so many possibilities and future thoughts and 
things that get your imagination going. It's just more enjoyable to think that that's it. It's more pleasing. And, and I that's think, okay. And I think like her, him believing her is still a gesture because it is crazy. Like the fact that we're having this conversation means it is a crazy story. And him believing her shows that like he trusts her and he and believes that she did think about him and she did she didn't just abandon him those years ago to be with his like it just i mean i'm not saying it's not okay for you to believe this let me let me let my words not be misconstrued i think it's okay and again as 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 this this mysterious ghost who (laughs) yet haunts my my humble abode uh lo these many years as i sit pining of lost lenore uh you know i don't want to give the wrong impression i think it's okay Okay. That, you, that you disagree with me. And again, I, I have had two years to think about it. Well, and I also assume that this is what Damon Lindelof wanted, was for us to argue about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think also that inter- our differences interpret- in interpretation really probably come from our different reads of, of Nora and Kevin's relationship. Sounds like it. So, you know, TV can mean different things to different people. Yeah, that's why it's art. It's true. Television. Does well. Okay, so I guess my 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 question is then: What does this ending mean for Kevin and Nora's relationship? If it's if it's if it, the, her story is true, I don't think it means that much different than your ending. I think in the end they get they're at the same place. Just the trauma that they've experienced is either like you know physical and magical realism based or like due to their own emotional and mental shortcomings. But either way, it's trauma, and they have to work through it. A quote from Damon Lindelof about the ending. People kept asking him, why didn't you show flashbacks of Nora's story as she was telling it? Lindelof said, I was so surprised by his question because I wasn't even considering the possibility that this story wasn't true. The article goes on to say that once the writer's room started digging into it, they all started dividing on what they actually thought it was. So what's amazing is the writing staff of The Leftovers can't agree on what this ending means. If I remember correctly, like like the director, Mimi Later, and I think even Carrie Coon uh, supposedly have also different views of what, of what the truth is. <laughs> I mean, I can see it. It When I first saw it, I did like at first think, man, that's that's nuts. She went to the other dimension. That's, well, that's wild. And I, I, I don't want to say I like it, but I, I felt the sentiment that in that other dimension where she's come from this, this, this place where she was one of the people who was the worst affected by this, this sudden departure, right. Where she got so unlucky and she lost her whole family. And I, and her sort of stating that in this place, my family was lucky. So the trauma she experiences is like nothing compared to what happened it's like dwarfed by what happened to these other people. The, not her family necessarily, yeah, but, but yeah, but other, like yeah. the other people in this other, this other place. And I thought, I thought that, but just like seeing her, seeing her, her family on this side of the thing being the lucky ones, because they like her dad, uh, her husband and their two kids all still had each other, but they lost her. But that was just one person. Whereas everyone else lost everybody basically. Um, I thought that was really beautiful and really like, it touched me a little bit. And like the sort of this idea that like there was these sort of double conscious worlds 
where we can't exist in both of them unless you're Kevin. <laughs> Cause I also kind of thought that was sort of what to do. Like we had two Kevins at one point <laughs> and I was like, maybe they're in, but one of them is from the other place, but he's going back and forth and it was interesting. And I thought there was kind of something there. I say, I, I'm not sure it's in the article that the ghost just read to us, but I did <laughs> read one article where Damon Lindelof said that when they were first filming the pilot, they, or he, at some point during that process, he wanted to film a, a version of the opening sequence where, like, instead of, like, the woman turning around and the baby's gone, it, like, zooms in on the baby and then pulls out and everyone else is gone. So that definitely uh... has been an idea in his head for, or, you know, maybe not just his head, but it's been an idea in the production of the show for a long time that if you saw what happened to the other people, maybe they were in a world where everyone else vanished. Mm-hmm. So there, there is plenty of, you know, there, there's some, there's apoc- let's call it apocryphal evidence, you know, shall we, for my benefit, apocryphal evidence sure. okay. that the, you know, the, the, the other thing is perhaps true. I think what it comes down to for me is I really, I think there's, personally, I think it was just a more satisfying moment of reconciliation and the two of them overcoming something together at the very end, if, if my version is true. Because if that's not the case, then basically everything that Nora has to deal with has already happened. Mm-hmm. I think it's more satisfying climax and payoff if like she's still in that moment, you know, expressing something more vulnerable than just I had this experience. If she's like, it's really, I mean, again, this might go down to, you know, this might be, this is a real Jason, Jason's mindscape heavy episode. This, yeah. is, a, this is a, you know, this, 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 is a, this is a deep dive. But it's really just like, I see the ending as sort of the ultimate moment of validation. Like, I don't know. It's it's in my mind, basically, what, what Nora is saying to Kevin is just this huge expression of, like, her innermost pain and what, like, her deepest, like, you know, fears and, 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 and sorrows. And what he's saying is, like, I see that and it's okay. Okay. That's what I'm bringing to it. Cool. I don't have anything else. I'm sorry I yelled at you. I hope I didn't make you feel bad. It's okay. (laughs) No, you didn't. I I didn't mean to. (laughs) Um, How about this? Have you considered, and this is something that had to be pointed out to me, that the entire plot line of season three, particularly Nora's section, is about people who are going to, you know, find these people who have been, you know, who have lost people in their lives due to the departure, and they're going to apply a certain type of, like, radiomagnetic wave to them, to send them to this other place, meaning that the entire plot of season three is about people who want to microwave the leftovers. <laughs> have you considered that? I have not, but that's funny. All right, speak on it. That was funny. <laughs> I enjoyed that. It's good, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. It's a good joke. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's good. Okay. Uh, like and subscribe. Thanks for listening. We should do our normal thing. Happy holidays. <laughs> Let's no, try I'm again. I'm, I'm worn out. Uh, I wore myself out. Do you want me to do it? No, I can do it. What would you rate the leftovers? Would I rate the leftovers? Yeah. Out of what? I don't know. F minus to A plus. Um, solid A minus. Yeah. I changed some things, but like, good show. Great show. Mm-hmm. Great show. Great show. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Special thanks to Dania Bowd of the Weeping Willards for use of their song Outside in the Rain, which is our theme song. And you can get it on Bandcamp. You should buy it, though. Yeah. Get it on Bandcamp. Give them some money. Give them some money. Um, special thanks to Carly Sussman, who designed our logo. You can find her work at carly-rose.com. If you like our show, 
subscribe to it. You probably already have if you're listening to this right now. You but think, yeah. give us a rating, a review, tell a friend about our fun show. It's fun. We hope it's fun. Where we talk, where we, yeah, where we talk about <laughs> suicide and Oof. the end of the world and. Oof. Um, I mean, that's basically my ideal war, version, version of this podcast. But <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's a fun, happy show. It's a fun, happy show. Uh, we'll be back next time Yes. with more tales of This American Life. Of HBO series. Of HBO series. <laughs> oh, man, the home box office. Well, we we got to get that in now before they, um, the guy who runs a Verizon just like fill, pumps the entire channel full of garbage oh. to compete with Netflix. Oh, no. So we got to get in there while the brand is still strong. While the prestige is still prestigious. <laughs> yeah, before the, before, the, before the stink wears off. Until next time. Happy, happy holidays. holidays. Oh, and a very special thank you to Momo. Oh. Shout out, Momo. <laughs> oh, because she's a bird lady. Yeah. Is she a bird lady? Yeah, sort of. Well, you know, let's take this off here. <laughs> they wish I would go ahead and fuck my life up. Can't let them get to me. And even though I always fuck my life up, only I can mention me. They wish I would go ahead and fuck my life up. Can't let them get to me And even though I always fuck my life up Only I can mention me Only I can mention me Only I can mention me That can be our next episode is the Momo Challenge <laughs> You don't know about Momo? Who's Momo? You haven't heard the good news? Oh, Kelsey <laughs> She's a scary lady who lives online and she tells kids how to kill themselves. Oh, wait, no. This is fake, though, right? Yeah, it's fake. Okay. But we're going to do it. <laughs>